Part Eight of Collected Prose by James Elroy Flecker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eight: Forgotten Warfare. The first of my trivial tales and trivial indeed they seem in these mighty days of conflagration has foreseen beirut that syrian port as well known to the pilgrims in collars who seek jerusalem as to those without who prefer mecca here one spring morning the report of a cannon a single and extremely noisy shot of warning roused me from sleep the dreaded italians had come that roman land had sent two fine cruisers to sink a turkish gunboat lately repaired in genoa small enough for either of them to have hoisted on deck and used as a launch and there they were by jove flying their battle flags just outside my window soon after the fun began the italians sent five shells over the town by mistake and one each through two banks about a hundred interested spectators on the quay struck by the bursting shells paid the penalty of their rashness as for the turks no watch had been kept on the boat the officers all slept on shore and only a few reached the ship in time but they refused to surrender and pluckily misdirected several shells all round the harbour till their little biscuit tin was sunk up to its funnels the attempt made by some gallant arab boatmen to sink the cruisers by rifle fire failed completely they had been persuaded ever since the day of the camperdown disaster of tripoli in syria that you had only to puncture an ironclad and it would disappear meanwhile in the centre of the town things were as the french say well otherwise serious at the first shots the arabs fled howling indoors in senseless panic recovering they looted the barracks and attempted to murder all christians myself included and the governor only just succeeded in restoring order at the risk of his life he placed himself at the head of some twenty soldiers against a violent mob intent on breaking open the prisons and liberating all the vilest riff-raff to help in the looting as for me an extremely unpleasant crowd having just succeeded in looting rifles from the barracks stopped my carriage and sticking their bayonets uncomfortably near my stomach swore i was the italian consul i said no but that i was a splendid englishman at that moment the cannon of the cruisers began to roar again making everyone more excited and dangerous than ever i cocked my revolver in my pocket determined to shoot through my coat at one particularly horrid fat man but that moment deliverance came from an excellent turkish soldier who leaping on to the step of the carriage and turning his rifle on the crowd they drive on to the hotel which i reached safely there on my return i found a mohammedan friend of mine 
one of those admired young turks who have read herbert spencer Mallarme, and sherlock holmes and thereby become renowned for their liberal tendencies and parisian culture he not knowing i was somewhat sore upon the point explained to me in great excitement and with ancestral fanaticism blazing from his eyes that a massacre of christians or at least of his fellow subjects the native christians was now not only inevitable but a mere measure of obvious justice it was a paltry affair of a few hours but while it lasted it seemed like the end of the world unforgettable the thunder of the guns shaking the golden blue of sky and sea while not a breath stirred the palm trees not a cloud moved on the swan-like snows of lebanon this was not the only occasion on which the italians offered us good sport at beirut and again the inhabitants played up fine it was summer now and in summer the happy beirutans have the pleasure of sleeping on the cool spurs of lebanon and the anguish of being hoisted up and down at a walking pace in the rack and pinion railway the lebanon one may remind the reader is a privileged land with a christian governor while beirut is a sort of island of pure turkey one morning very early warships were descried off the harbour is it the foe again or only the frequently protective french that is the question debated at allais station by the anxious crowd waiting to descend to town an ascending train puts all doubt to rest fugitives are sitting on the roof the italians are here again the beirutins decided to remain on the mountains we descended almost alone and here it may be observed that when levantines as in this case act with perfect common sense and prudence the europeans of the place always call them cowards or when they prefer to look on some dangerous spectacle unperturbed or to arm to defend their liberties they instantly call them fools however there was no trouble no european town could have behaved better on the quays a mixed crowd secretly armed for certain in the oriental way watched a boat packed with italian bluejackets and sporting a single brass cannon in the bow examine the ships in the port and that testimony to their comrades valour the sunken turkish gunboat and made no demonstration whatsoever thinking my duty done i took the train back to the mountain but the east is the father of surprises all the lebanese i saw from the carriage windows were openly armed while their women and children who fled beirut this morning were rushing down again to face the arab or italian peril on my arrival home i found in front of my cottage a little squadron of lebanese cavalry prancing before the door entering i discovered two american lady missionaries from the neighbouring village of abadir who having received a very large bullet in their drawing-room had taken refuge with my wife it seemed it was all those wicked druses again a much respected old gentleman of their tribe 
had been grievously wounded by a hand unknown on his way from Brumana. Hence the Druses were assembling in their secret places, crying for Christian blood. And hence the Christians of the valley, led by some brawny returned emigrants from America, had had all the church bells rung as a summons to all Christians to gather in force. A good scrap is still considered to be better than litigation in the Lebanon, and, after all, what is Lebanese justice unless you've got a consul to doctor your case? A woman accused of stealing a hen will fly to Russia or France for protection. A Druze appeals to England, who once preserved them from richly merited punishment at the hands of the French for their massacring ways. The English public was persuaded by a venal press that a Druze was a kind of Protestant suffering martyrdom at the hands of papistical Maronites. But if England protects, she must also restrain, and the duty of ending this nonsense obviously fell on the British Consul-General, who accomplished it with all the skill of one accustomed to Oriental incidents. First, he persuaded the Christians to remain on the defensive. Then we drove to Abadea. The moonlight was streaming in the enormous rocky gorge of the Beirut River, and here and there a Lebanese gendarme set to guard the road started up from some dark corner into the white glow to salute us, his strange costume so fantastic in the moonlight that the whole scene seemed to stiffen into cardboard and one waited to hear the music of some absurd oriental opera by herald or rossini there were few enough of these gendarmes and they would have had a poor show if the druses had risen in earnest vividly the moon shone now on abadir on the little fortress-like houses on the runic carvings of an old druse tomb mysterious beneath a splendid chestnut tree and on the worn brown stones and red tiles of the old courtyard where we halted. In Syria you can see colours quite distinctly by the light of a full moon. We were admitted and welcomed at the narrow door, and first of all paid a brief visit to the wounded old gentleman who had caused all the trouble. He lay there very cheerful on pink and green cushions suggestive of the mohammedan paradise then while the consul worked hard at conciliation i talked amiably with the lesser notables they were still undecided about that massacre and they had enjoyed themselves greatly shooting about all day at nothing in particular hence the little accident to the missionary's house but as they would never have dreamt of massacring us conversation on the usual syrian topics what will the italians do what will the french do flowed comfortably the whole affair was soon brilliantly settled by the consul-general and the wildest spirits having been calmed we drove home by midnight what utter foolery is enough to start a massacre in the east but let no injustice be done to the lebanon its security in the last fifty years has after all been never seriously troubled laugh at its botched-up government if you will and then remember 
that it possesses the only countryside in the turkish empire the southern environs of constantinople excepted where you can enjoy a picnic without the presence of an armed guard and even let the governess take the children for a walk alone some months after i saw the smoke and heard the distant rumble of the battle of lemnos the one effort made by the turks to secure the mastery of the aegean a pretty sight it had been that morning to pass the turkish fleet cleared for action and lined across the entrance to the dardanelles while a little destroyer spluttered up from the west to give them news of the foe it was one of those indescribable winter days on the aegean with a hot sun and a piping breeze the water was all laced blue and silver and the windmills of tenedos world fit to break tenedos divers opum quoted to me the new armenian governor of lebanon to my great pleasure yet how can the place ever have been rich i agreed it was strange that little windy rock looks as if it had never produced anything more planterous than stone crops since the creation we were near mytilene when we heard the guns thrilling enough it was to me fired with the glory that is greece this fight against the unspeakable for that greek and christian sea not so however to the trio of american ladies aboard for all that they were on their devout way from athens to jerusalem impossible to make these pious folk understand that greece and christianity were no mere phantoms of the past but were still alive and with excellent guns even kicking at last in despair of awaking interest and hoping to horrify i said to one of them but men are killing each other over there you know she put up her eyeglass at me nonsense she said and walked down to lunch we were soon gliding through the beautiful strait of mytilene as we passed the little town buried in olive groves with its medieval castle all on a green lawn a great greek flag waved proudly over the scene its colours blending with the blue and white waves so finely that it was impossible to imagine the turkish scarlet in its place as we neared the harbour we slowed down and a lot of rough-looking pirates came rowing out and shouted to an old greek priest on board for news the old pappus replied that he had only heard noise had only seen smoke that's all right said they it's a glorious victory and bang 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 went their revolvers into the windy void and after all so it was to think that it was with cheerful anecdotes like these that i had hoped a white-haired elder to impress my grandchildren now there's not a peasant from picardy to tobolsk but will cap me with tales of real and frightful tragedy what a race of deep-eyed and thoughtful men we shall have in europe after the war now that all those millions have been baptized in fire but for my little memories i can keep at least this distinction the unearthly beauty of the east i mean the adjective a man may find naples or palermo merely pretty 
but the deeper violet the splendour and desolation of the levant waters is something that drives into the soul end of part eight recording by steve chilvers norwich england